Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Acts chapter 4, if you have a Bible, we're going to start with verse 23. Uh, Acts chapter 4, we're going to start with verse 23. If you don't have a Bible, I totally don't sweat it. Just look on the screen. It's already there. Uh, If you don't want to look up there, on the back of your program, there are instructions on how you can follow along on your phone. Uh, So here we go. Three things I want you to see. I'm not going to make much in terms of introduction. We're just going to jump in, and then we'll catch up uh, on our way through the passage. Verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Now let me rewind for those of you who may not be familiar with the story. Uh, Maybe you're checking out church for the first time today. Maybe it's your first time in church in a long time. Maybe you're not up to date with the Bible story. That's totally cool. You're welcome here. We want to bring you along. So let me tell you what's happened. We've been in this story now for, I think, three or four weeks. This story started in Acts chapter 3. What had happened was Peter and John are going to the temple to pray, to worship God, to, to, to commune with God, right? And as they're going to the temple, they see this man laying beside the entrance to the temple who's been laying there every day, we find out, for over 40 years because this man is over 40 years old. And he's laying there because he's crippled. He's literally, he, he cannot walk, okay? He's never walked a day in his life. He's been laid there by the, the entrance to the temple to beg, to beg from the people coming in because God's people are generous people, and this is the best place for this guy to ask for money because God's people love to give. And so he's begging, he's asking for money, and Peter and John see him, and he asks them, can you give me some money? And Peter says, We don't have any. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. In the name of Jesus, Peter stretches out his hand, grabs the guy by the hand, and lifts him up, which is a really bold thing to do, right? And the guy is healed instantly, just completely instantly healed. And that, of course, draws a crowd together. Peter preaches to the crowd. Then the the, the religious elite get wind of of something that's going on there in in the temple court, and they come to investigate and they, 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 uh, take, they, they capture Peter and John, basically. They, they arrest them, and they, they throw them in jail. And eventually, at the very end of, of last week, we didn't really read that part last week, but what happens is, is that the, the leaders call Peter and John to testify, to, to, to tell them what's going on. So they say, hey, who, who, who healed this guy? By what power is this guy healed? And Peter says, Jesus, right? Like, it was Jesus that you crucified, by the way. You killed him, but God raised him from the dead. And so the leaders, they're like, wait a second, we can't, we can't really have them talking about Jesus. That's not really good for us. We killed the guy. That looks really bad on us if we killed the guy who's now healing people. So they grab Peter and John. They say, listen, you can't talk about Jesus anymore. You're not allowed. You can, we'll let you go. But you, you, you can't talk about Jesus. And I love this line. I think it's verse 18 or 19. Peter says, listen, listen, bro. Um, we can't help talking about Jesus. <laughs> you, you do whatever you want. Like, do your best shot. We cannot help speaking about that which we have seen and we have heard. We can't help talking about Jesus, which is awesome, right? Well, they decide, I guess we can't do anything about these guys, so they let him go. That's what on their release means. On their release, Peter and John go back to their own people and they tell them the whole story. It started the day before. It started the day before as they were going to pray. They got arrested. They spent the night in jail. They come out. They testify the next morning and they are 
release. So they're telling their friends everything that had just happened to them. We got thrown in jail. We were arrested. We didn't know what was going to happen. Now, let me ask you this question. Why did they get thrown in jail? Like, I just recapped it, but I didn't really tell you why. They, they didn't get thrown in jail because they healed the man. They get thrown in jail because they healed the man in the name of Jesus. <laughs> if you read the story, they're not, they're not in jail because that's the real rub of, of, of Christianity. We don't get in trouble for the things we do. We don't get in trouble for serving others. You know, nobody, nobody is against healing. Even the people who don't believe in healing think that healing is a pretty good deal, right? Like, you don't have to believe in Jesus to think that healing is awesome. But from the very beginning of the church, we've not gotten in trouble for what we've done. We've gotten in trouble for what we've said. It's when we speak. Nobody minds us helping the single moms. Nobody cares if we go build a house for a family who's homeless. Everybody thinks that's great. But as soon as we say, we're doing this because Jesus loves you, all of a sudden people get all uptight. Wait a second, you can't talk about Jesus. Like there's a guy who's, there's a guy who's never stood and walked before and he instantly gets healed. How many think that, that you should get in trouble for that? Nobody. Nobody thinks you should get in trouble for, for bringing healing to a guy. Like, nobody's saying, well, I would really just prefer to be sick right now, you know? No. What, what happens is they get arrested, because, not because the guy was healed, but because they started talking about Jesus. Well, who healed this guy? Jesus did. Well, who's Jesus? He's God. He's God. You killed him. God raised him back from the dead. And he healed this man just to let everybody else know he's still alive. That's what we get in trouble for. See, we don't, we don't get in trouble for doing good. We get in trouble for speaking about Jesus. And there's a reason for this, okay? And this is, what, this is the first thing I want you to see as we work our way through this passage on Pentecost Sunday. There's a reason that we get in trouble. I, 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 this, is even the name, this is the name of the whole message. So if you take notes, if you like to write the name and title, I rarely announce these things, but I like this one, so I'm going to tell you. The first point is the name of the message. The battle is real. The battle is real. And you need to know this. You need to know that the world that you live in is not a neutral field. This is not like the Super Bowl where we play on a neutral playing field. No, no, no. The world you live in is not Neutral. They have taken sides, the world has taken sides, and it is against Jesus. Okay? It's not neutral. The battle is real. When you are in Jesus, there will be people who don't like you because you're in Jesus. Seriously, there, there will be, they will say horrible things about you. It may cost you a job. It may cost you a promotion. It may cost you a friendship. It may cost you a relationship. People will turn their back on you. People will betray you for the simple fact that you have declared, I belong to Jesus because the battle is real. The and, 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 and sometimes, okay, sometimes the battle comes from actual official authorities, like here in Acts chapter 4, okay? Actual leaders and authorities and government officials, sometimes the battle looks like that. Sometimes the battle looks like a culture in the place you work. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's the culture that is established in your home that creates the battle. Sometimes it's the culture in the school that you attend, 
That is the battle. Sometimes, sometimes the battle is like, you know, spiritual. You know, like uh, Paul says in Ephesians that we, we wage war against the powers of the dark world, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Sometimes the battle is against like, like evil's forces. I mean, like the, this kind of spiritual warfare stuff. Sometimes the battle is internal. Sometimes the battle is in my own mind. In your own mind. When I want to do things or say things or, 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 or go places or, or think things that conflict with what Jesus uh, wants for my life. So wherever the battle is, whatever it is, there seems to be this, this, this power which will do its best to, um, to oppose what God is doing. That's all, I want, that's all I want you to see right now. The battle is real. If you've ever felt like you were coming against something that you couldn't even understand or explain, just like this, this, this wall that you couldn't push through, the battle is real. And when we talk about the battle is real, when we use that word, a lot of times, when we use those words, a lot of times we're talking about persecution. Now, let me say this about persecution. Um, when, you, when you mention the word persecution, right, a lot of times really religious people, and I am guilty as charged, I just did this last week, okay? Seriously, I was talking to a guy, and I said the very thing I'm going to say to you that religious people say. So in that moment, I was what I am talking about today. Uh, a lot of times we'll say, we'll say, listen, we in America, we don't know about persecution. Like, we're not really persecuted here in America, right? Like, nobody's coming and chopping our heads off. Like, they have that in other parts of the world, right? Other countries have persecution. We don't have persecution. But I don't think that's true. Like, I don't really believe that because, because, because Jesus makes it plain and clear that when you're in the world, you will have persecution. Because, see, there's, there's, there's overt persecution where they throw you to the lions. But then there's covert persecution where they throw you to the critics. There's, there's overt persecution, which is you might end up dying for Jesus. But there's also covert persecution where you actually have to live. For him. Do you know what the goal of persecution is? It's not killing you, it's silencing you. That's the goal of persecution. So, whether we've got to silence you by killing you or silence you by shaming you, we'll do whatever it takes to make you stop talking about Jesus. That's what persecution is. See, in my warped mind, I, I've thought for a long time, well, persecution is just like the threat of bodily harm. No, no, no. Persecution is just, I'll do whatever it takes to shut you up. If I've, got to, if I've got to kill you, I'll kill you. But if I can shame you into silence, I'll shame you into silence. Because we don't get in trouble for what we do for others. We get in trouble when we speak about Jesus. Because the battle is real. The battle is is real. So uh, Peter and John find themselves in a battle. They uh, a literal you know battle. They're persecuted. The, the, this is an official. Uh, leaders of, of, of the of the Jewish uh, religion are calling for them, and they could easily like these are the guys who had Jesus killed. They could take Peter and John out. So they find themselves in the battle. What do they do? How do they respond? If the battle is real, and you and I are in a battle, if we are in Jesus, the battle is real for us, whatever it looks like, whatever shape it takes, what did they do? And then, and then can we do what they did? Can we respond the same way? So check this out, verse 24, the first part of verse 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. 
This is the second thing I want you to see this morning. Prayer is our first response, not our last resort. Prayer, prayer, not Facebook. Amen? It's kind of quiet this morning. Prayer is our first response, not posting our political opinion on Facebook. Prayer is our first response. Not going and complaining to our friends and gossiping about people and, 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 and holding up signs to tell people how they're going to hell. Prayer is our first response. That's, what the, that's the very first thing that disciples do. They pray. They lift up their voices together in prayer to God. So I want to ask you a few questions about your prayer. Who are you praying with? Who are you praying with when you're going into battle, when, 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 you, when you have understood and realized that you do not live in a, in a neutral world, that, that the world that we live in outside of the church uh, is, is uh, antagonistic to the mission of the church. When you understand that, uh, who do you pray with? Notice who, who Peter and John, Peter and John went to their friends, their believing friends. This is important. We, we have to understand this. See, that's why we talk about friendship and community and living life together. And you don't have to do life alone. That's why we talk about those things. Because we understand we live in a world that is fractured. Relationships are not like they used to be. People are divided. People are separated. People move away. Very few people live close to their family where they can see them on a regular basis. So we don't have a lot, of, a, a lot of close relationships. We don't know, you know, I, I'm not sure who I can trust, who I can confide in, who I can lean on when the battle gets tough. Who can I run to when, when, when I need to run to somebody? Peter and John run to their friends, their Christian friends. It's super important for you and I to have Christian friends, people who love Jesus. Non-Christian friendships are awesome. Non-Christian friendships are great. They are valuable. Love them, enjoy them, cherish them. That that is what Jesus calls us to, to to be friendly to those who are on the outside, to share the love of God with them. But when you're in the middle of a battle and you're in the middle of a fight, you have to have a circle of Christian friends around you who can support you, give you counsel, give you advice. When you're in the middle of a battle, you need to run to God's people who will open up God's word and say, let's see what God says to us here and now. Not, well, you know, I read this, this, uh, this, this thing on psychology.com. We take so much advice. Uh, we take so much advice about life and living from people who are dead in their sin. What advice to live the life Jesus has called you to can you get from somebody who's dead in their sin? I'm not trying to be harsh. If that's you this morning, I am super glad that you're here. Because this is this, our whole church is for you. Right now I'm talking to those who have given their life to Jesus. How can you take advice from someone who believes completely different than you? who does not believe that Jesus is the epitome of what it means to be human, and he's given his spirit so that we can live the life God has called us to live. How do you get counsel for how to live that life from someone who is not living that life? You can't. You can't. That's why we need circles of of God's people, friends who will ask the Holy Spirit on your behalf to lead you and guide you. 
friends who, who, who love Jesus and love you in that order. They love Jesus more than they love you. And they're willing to speak to you the truth of God, even in difficult situations. Because they love him more than they love you. So we need these people. Number two, uh, what are you praying about? Like, who are you praying with and what are you praying? Look at their prayer. Oh, gosh, their prayer is just awesome. <laughs> Acts chapter 4, verse 24, the second part. They say, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In other words, we know you're in control. God, we know you're in control. You're not an ambulance driver. You're not responding to emergencies that you didn't see coming. Like, God has never been taken by surprise in a battle that you fight. God has never been thrown off guard. God has never not seen it coming. That's what they say. Like, like time and time and time again, we have to remind ourselves, God, you saw this coming. You're not surprised. You're not, you're not running in fear. You're not losing your mind. You're not freaking out right now. <sighs> Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything. God, all this is yours. You see it all. Okay, me, me orient myself to you that way. Okay, and then, then they go on. They say, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why did the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his, holy, his anointed one. In other words, okay, God, you've seen it all. Now I've got to ask you a question. Why are these people acting so crazy? <laughs> you ever ask the Lord that in prayer? God, why are these people got to be acting crazy? Why do people got to be uptight? Why do, why do people be acting like this? Right? So that's, that's what they say in their own quoting Psalm 2 way, right? Uh, indeed, they go on, verse 27. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Then they pray some of the most, oh my gosh, some of the boldest, most audacious words that you and I could ever utter come in verse 29 and 30. Look what they say. They say, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Verse 30, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You know what they didn't pray? They didn't pray, God, can you get us out of here? Man, so many people in the church, they just want to get out of the world because they're in a battle. The battle is real. The world's fighting against us. God, can you just get us out of here? No, 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 the disciples don't pray that. They don't say, God, can you get us out? Can you get us out of trouble? God, can you crush our enemies? God, can you release the Kraken? They don't pray that. They don't pray. They don't pray. Oh, gosh. They don't pray. God, can you make the media turn in our direction? God, God, can you, can, can you help us make some laws so that people and everybody agree with us? God, can you give us a safe place to protect our assets and our family? God, can you make sure it doesn't get too bad for us? They don't pray about anything out there. All they say is, God, would you, just, would you just look and see what's happening? God, would you just consider what they said to us? That's not a request. That's just, God, would you take, God, would you do what you've already done? You're sovereign. 
You're in control. None of this took you by surprise. So, Lord, would you just be sovereign? Would you just look at, at, at the situation we're in? And then they make two requests of God. Two requests of God they make. They say, they say God, would you make us bold? They don't pray about anything out there. They pray about everything in here. God, would you enable us to speak boldly? Would you, would you enable us to be faithful? Would you enable us to be obedient no matter what? Even though they're spewing out their threats, would you do something in me and in us so that we can, in, in spite of their words, in spite of their threats, we can still speak boldly? Just like we've been doing. Like that's what got them in trouble, right? Boldness is what landed them in jail, and now they're asking for more boldness. God, would you just enable us to speak boldly? Their prayer wasn't really about, it wasn't even about them out there. It was about us in here. And they prayed, they said, Jesus, would you just continue to work powerfully? Would you, would you just continue to show up from time to time in miraculous ways so that everybody knows you're still alive? So that everybody knows that we are yours. Listen, I know they don't happen a lot, right? Like miracles don't happen a lot. That's why they're called miracles and not Mondays. <laughs> can't set your watch by them. You can't guarantee that they're coming, but we know this. We know this, that, 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 that as, God's, as God's people are faithful and obedient and praying for boldness and, and, and asking the Spirit of God, would you just speak through us? Whatever the situation is, whatever the threat is, would you just speak through, it, through us? And we know that the Lord Jesus will from time to time show up and do something supernatural. We know that he'll show up and do something miraculous so that the people around us will know that he's still alive, he still shows up, and we can't explain him away. So Lord, would you, would, would you enable us to speak boldly? And then would you, would you just continue to work powerfully through what we're doing, miraculously? Now let me say a couple words about boldness. <laughs> because... Because boldness isn't what a lot of us think boldness is. And then, and, then, and then I want you to see the third thing. And then we're going to wrap up. It's going to be, for me, this is kind of a short message. Let me say a couple things about boldness. All right, because people misunderstand it. Number one, boldness is not arrogance. Okay? Boldness is not arrogance. Boldness is not uh, speaking down to people. That's pride. <laughs> boldness is not pride. Okay? Boldness is not, I'm better than you. Yeah, boldness, is, boldness is not annoying. <laughs> boldness, have you ever met the person, right? Like, um, uh, have you ever met the person who can't talk about anything but God? Like, you're just like sitting around having lunch, like, hey man, the Cubbies are doing really good. They're really on a, on a tear, right? I think, that, I think they might win the pennant in the series this year. Well, if it be God's will. I don't think God cares about the Cubs, man. <laughs> Like, I don't think he gives a flip who wins the pennant and the, and the, and the, and the NBA. I don't think he cares. Why are you going to bring God into it? I just was trying to make conversation. Like, sometimes, sometimes people are just annoying, and that's not boldness, right? Boldness is not threatening. Boldness is not, if you don't stop that, God's going to get you. It's not boldness. I don't want to be around that person. I want to kick that person in the kneecap, right? I have never kicked anybody in the kneecap. <laughs> just want to make sure everybody knows that. I have never kicked anybody 
Okay. Um, I don't want to hang out with that guy. I want to hang out with the guy that says, hey, hey, God's got something better for your life. God's got great things for you. And that's what boldness, boldness, boldness isn't arrogance. Boldness isn't being annoying. Boldness isn't threatening others. Boldness is, I believe Jesus is Lord. And I believe he has the best plan for your life. And I just want to share that with you. That's boldness. Boldness is I'm not threatened if you believe differently than me. I'm not threatened by your beliefs. I'm not threatened by your behavior. I'm not threatened if you completely disagree with me about everything. Boldness is I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe he is God. And I believe he's got the best plan for your life that you'll ever discover. He loves you. I want to tell you about it. See, we live in a day where people think that that boldness is just reserved for people like me. Preachers, right? Like preachers are bold. We're supposed to be bold. We get up and talk in front of people and tell them, here's what we believe God is saying to you, right? Listen, that's not boldness. Like it doesn't take much boldness to stand up here and read the Bible to you and tell you, hey, here's what I think God's telling us in the Bible. That didn't take a lot of boldness. You know where boldness is found? Boldness is found in, in moms and dads and single women and single men and, and high school kids and college kids and, and people who just found out they've got cancer and elementary school teachers and CEOs leading companies and shipyard workers who are just trying to be faithful to God and the culture that they're in. It's the regular Christian who has an irregular affection for Jesus. That's where you find boldness. Boldness is not, boldness is not about, about your vocation, about, 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 about where you... Boldness is simply, I want to tell you about Jesus. Because people will hear words that you say in a completely different light than they'll hear words that I say. Listen, I could tell people about Jesus all day, but as soon as they find out I'm a preacher, I have a hidden agenda. Seriously. I can't, if I, if, I'm, if I meet somebody, if I'm like playing ball at the playground or something, and, and then I, I start hanging out, we're like shooting hoops and we're playing three on three, and then we take a break and we're sipping on our Gatorade, and they're like, hey man, what do you do? I'm a pastor. Automatically, walls go up, and they're like, whoa, okay, hidden agenda. He's going to try to teach me about Jesus. <laughs> it's not bold. It takes a lot of boldness to, to, to do what I do. You know what it takes boldness? Hey, what do you do? I'm an elementary school teacher. Oh, cool, yeah. All right, hey, you want to play ball again Sunday? Well, I can't Sunday. I'm going to church. Hey, do you go to church? Man, you got to come check out my church. I don't have an agenda. I'm just a school teacher. I'm a school teacher who has an irregular affection for Jesus Christ, believes he's Lord, and wants to share him with you. I'm not trying to grow a church. I'm not trying to build a ministry. I'm not trying to get people to give money so the church can do None of that. I'm a school teacher that loves Jesus and loves you. That's where boldness is found. Boldness is found in soccer moms who take their kids to soccer and talk to the parents while everybody's watching their 500 kids chase one ball around the field. That's where boldness is found. Boldness is found on the docks. When the culture is at war against you, boldness is found on your ship. Boldness is found on your sub. Boldness is found on your team. You say, look, I'm just a regular Christian, but I have an irregular love for Jesus. 
and I want to share it with you. That's boldness. Look what happens. Verse 31. Last thing that I want you to see, and then we're going to be we're going to wrap up. After they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Number three thing I want you to see in this passage. The place was shaken, and they were filled. The place was shaken, and they were filled. You know what I think we need more than anything as a church in 2016? Vertical church, church all over, church in our community, church in our city, church all over the state of Virginia, U.S., America, all over the world. You know what I think we need more than anything? I think we need God to shake us. I think we need God to, to show up in every generation in, 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 in a supernatural way of, of, of shaking us with his powerful presence. Blowing away the cobwebs, filling us with the Holy Spirit, enabling us to speak boldly. Shaking us to the core. Would that we would be shaken in this room this morning. Would that God would show up and shake us to our core and everything that is not of him would fall off and everything that is of him would cling tightly. Would that we were shaken. Would that this theater were shaken. Would that your family were shaken. Would that your heart was shaken. They were all the place, the place they were meeting was shaken. And it says they were filled. Well, I thought they were already filled. Like, what happened in Acts chapter 2? Like, Pentecost Sunday, right? Like, you know, we talked over to Moses and law and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I thought they were already filled. Well, how many of you put gas in your car this week? Raise your hand. You put gas in the car, right? What about last week you put gas in the car? You put gas in the car in the month of May. Raise your hand. Or bike or whatever you ride. Okay, cool. You gas up your car. You go on a trip. Put more gas in the car to drive some more. Nobody has ever bought a car at a dealership or at a used dealership or from a friend or however you buy cars, Craigslist, whatever you do. Nobody has ever gotten a new car, went to the gas station, put gas in it and said, well, filled it up. <laughs> Glad that's over. No, <laughs> that's stupid. You're, like, you're laughing at me because that's silly. Nobody even thinks that way. No, what do we do? Well, we, we put fuel in for this trip. And then when, it, when, when that trip is over, we notice that the, 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 little, the little arm thing, whatever, the little thing has, has gone down. We've got to put more gas in it. Listen, the analogy isn't perfect, but it's a lot like that with the Holy Spirit. It's, there is this sense, right? Like, like, the Holy Spirit fills us for the journey that's immediately in front of us. And then as we take that step, as we walk that journey, as we fight that fight, as we go through that battle, we come out on the other side. Well, wait a second. I need to be refilled. I need to, I need to experience the presence of God again. I need the Holy Spirit to do something in my life. I need to be shaken and I need to be filled. And so he fills us and we go on the next mission and he fills us and we take the next journey and he fills us and we walk with him a little bit more and he fills us. And every time you gas up your car, I just want you to pray, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I know that sounds silly, right? But something just super practical, super practical. Anytime you put gas in a vehicle, just pray, Lord, I'm putting, I'm putting fuel 
in my car, in my truck, in my bike. Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit to put fuel in my heart so that I may go forward with you. The place was shaken and they were filled. I wonder if we could pray the two prayers that they prayed this morning. Could, could, could we wrap up that way? That's, that's what I want to do this I Every week, it seems like in this series, it's been just real crazy. Like, we've read the Bible, and it's like, all right, this is what they did. Let's try to see if we can do it. Like, let's see if, let's see if we can just do what they did. So I want to do what they did. I want to pray that prayer. And I want to challenge you to pray that prayer. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, if you've given your life to Jesus, I want you to pray that prayer. Lord, enable us to speak boldly. And God, would you stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders? Lord, would you, would you enable us to speak no matter what the situation looks like? And God, would you show up from time to time just to remind everybody that you're still alive and we can't explain you away? If you're in the middle of a battle this morning, if you find yourself in a real fight, There's, there's Holy Spirit fuel available for you. There's, 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 there's spirit available for you for this battle, for this fight. For those of you who aren't followers of Jesus, right? Like, like you came into this and you're still trying to figure it out or you're searching or you just showed up, right? You just thought it'd be a good time to go to church. What's holding you back? What's keeping you from taking that first step? What's, what's keeping you from taking that first step back to Him? Returning again. What's holding you back? There's, there's grace available for you to empower you to turn around and take that step. You, you want to. You feel like your heart you know, is kind of beating real fast right now. You're thinking, is He talking to me? You know, is that me? Am I supposed to? Am I the one? You know, I... I I don't know. I don't, I don't have it all figured out. I don't. There's so many questions I've got running through my mind. Is this, is this legit? Is this, I don't know. Take that step. Jesus, I want to trust you with my life. I want to, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to trust you with my life. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.